Let's go! What's up, everybody? Welcome to the House of Mario, our Nintendo podcast where we talk about all things Nintendo. I'm your host, Drew Agnew, and this is episode 22. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, Bryce DeWitt. You put a spin on it today. I did put a spin on it. You know, I actually describe what the podcast is. That's probably <laughs> that's probably a good thing. I mean, the, yeah. there there is writing, but there's always it's always nice having the audio there. Yeah, yeah. So, so Bryce, we're at the end of the year. We are. At yes. The end of the year. It's the <laughs> end just, of 2017. I just had to have that confirmation from you that we're at the end of the year. Okay. Yeah. I, I knew you weren't too sure. No, I wasn't too sure. Yeah. So we've got we've got a bit to talk about. We've got the uh, the results from the game awards, some uh, announcements from Nintendo, and. Uh, uh, Breath uh, of the Wild DLC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Breath of the Wild DLC. Well, we had something. Oh yeah, um, Switch sales. We'll get into that later though. Bryce, the Game Awards. Um, oh yes, yes. What an experience. Yes, Breath of the Wild taking Game of the Year for 2017. Yeah, it ran away with three awards. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember what the other two were? I can't actually remember. <laughs> best action game and the other one. Uh, right. Best game direction, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So congratulations to Breath of the Wild. I was putting my vote in for that game every day on uh, on Google. So I'm happy to see that win. Yep, absolutely. It absolutely deserves it. It's you know it only came out at the start of this year, but it's easily been the strongest contender. Mm. Um, you know, ever since then, and it came out in the midst of like two other games that were incredibly hyped for, which was Horizon and Near. Yeah, and uh, Persona and Persona as PUBG, well. PUBG, yeah. which took the Oh yeah, PUBG didn't take the spotlight till a little bit later on in the year, but yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, um, it's like we'll go into the DLC a bit later. You've finished it. I've played a little bit of it. Yep. But even going back to it, you're like, yes, this game is yeah phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. You know, it doesn't matter what you're doing in Zelda. You always find something you want to do. In my opinion, it's it's hard. To, I mean, you can get bored of Zelda, pretty obviously. You can get bored with Zelda like you do any other game. Yeah. <laughs> but um, there's always you know you've always got a multitude of options. You know, even after you finish the game, they might not be as impactful as you did, before, you know, when you were doing the main quest or whatever. But yeah, um, it was fun to go back while DLC was active, and you know, I still jump on every now and then. It was it, it was nice too having the DLC like announced right at the Game Awards and being available that night. It was even that night; it was a couple of hours later. Yeah, yeah. Here in Australia, even like. Yeah, that was... It was available early afternoon. Good move on their part, considering they're just one game of the year, you know? Yeah, what timing. Yeah, no, it was, it was good. Um, I'm not sure if they know these things preemptively beforehand. Um, I don't think they do. Some mm. awards they do. Right. Because I was listening, listening to uh, Greg Miller talk, because he won Trinity Gamer of the Year um, 2015. Yeah. And he said he didn't know before he won. Oh, okay. All so right. I, I, I don't know if it's uh, some awards, no, some don't. Not yep. sure, but we uh, we uh, got the Doctor disrespect for trending gamer this year. Yes, <laughs> he gave a, a good speech as well. Yeah, yeah, in yeah. character. Oh yeah, yeah. He never breaks that character. Do you know his real name? Yeah, Guy Beam. My oh, Guy Beam. Yeah, yeah. Yep. He he worked on he worked on half the maps of Advanced Warfare, which is probably one of the weaker CODs. But it's all his fault. <laughs> so disrespectful. You know, um, from somebody coming that. And I've had to discuss that a couple of times because, like, uh, you know, working on a Call of Duty cycle must be really hard mm. because you only get to make one game every three years for that series 
and then you know you got DLC for a year then what have you got for two years you're working on the next one because if you're working on the next one you're still two years out it's probably too early to start it's just like a hamster wheel pretty much isn't it yeah yeah so at that point a map designer's job is you know it's pretty it's not I'm not going to say simple but it's very like linear you know you're not going to be able to design a map around a game that's not complete yet so Mm. obviously he he stopped that career and he went back to doing something that he loved which was playing a character called Dr. Disrespect and <laughs> he's he's kept that character up ever since he never breaks character he's, yeah, that'd, that'd be a good job really entertaining yeah. <laughs> so you, you've finished the uh, Breath of the Wild DLC Champions Ballad yep uh, what's your take on I've um I've done like the first set of challenges and I'm just working through the, the second lot at the moment okay so like you when you're diving into when you're diving into this DLC and this is this is my personal take you won't find anything that's super extravagant like you're going to be like you're not going to be blown away there's not like you know minor spoiler warnings here obviously if you want to skip the next couple minutes but you know there's not like a whole lot of new content all that nice like all that nice stuff (laughs) sort of thing um there's you know more shrines more challenges there's more story context in it and the new story context was really good you know you got to learn more about the champions to a degree and they only add more of a good visage to them sort of thing Mm. you know um it was good seeing like uh you know mifa revali abosa daruk it was it was good seeing all of them being developed a little more as characters yeah um which is fantastic that first challenge though that first (laughs) challenge to actually get into the dlc is a little tricky if you're not stocked up um you know you need to you need to kind of go into that challenge with a whole ton of arrows because are you talking about the one hit yeah with the one hit obliterator i i found uh most of that fine when i got to the uh, section of enemies on the uh ice on the snow mountain on the plateau yeah yeah i found that difficult i don't know i think it was because it was late at night and i was just like oh just die die but yeah, I was there for like an hour. I mean, or whatever it was. With my excessive playtime of that game, I had a stock, like I had a good stock of just about everything. Granted, I used a fair bit of that stock completing the DLC, mm. but um, you know, with with the stockade of arrows and stuff like that, you know, you, you yeah. don't get punished for using the bow in that challenge. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. It's probably fine. You know, you get hit once and it's yeah. all over. And yeah. if enemies can hit you from range, then how fair is it? <laughs> mm. you know so if you if you use your range stockade a bit it's not too bad and then after that you know you've got some little little puzzle challenges they're not too hard to figure out you know i didn't i didn't spend my brain uh, spend my time racking my brain over them too much to find where i needed to go oh i think all up there's about uh maybe about 16 new shrines something like that mm. um which is good does that just mean you get more hearts uh, is that what? I, I won't go too far into that. You okay. do, yeah. you do get. Uh, oh no, it'd be about twenty new shrines, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think. Yeah, four, eight, twelve, sixteen, twenty. Yeah, yeah. Um, you get you get spirit orbs for the first set, and then after that, you get something different. But you'll find that out later on. Right. Yep. I will. Um. But yeah, no. Uh, I. I made my way to the end, got my uh, master cycle. That's not a spoiler because everybody knows, you know, yes. unless unless you weren't paying attention to it, of course, 
or you didn't want to be spoiled, then sorry. But, you know, it's all over the internet at this point. <laughs> we just, we're watching it together. We just laughed out loud and that motorbike just... Yeah. <laughs> it was like yes. <laughs> now that thing, that thing is pretty cool. A lot of a lot of there's. I do find that there's a lot of people disappointed that it doesn't go like supersonic speeds, like really fast. Mm. But I know that's because of hardware limitations and stuff. Yeah, just loading the game. Yeah, yeah, you know, loading the map. Um, but I find I find that uh, despite despite that, it's a, a damn useful mount. In regards, like it needs to be refueled. Sure, you can use like a whole bunch of materials that you find and all that stuff to do so. So it's not too bad. But like, um, when you when you're just driving around the world and stuff like that, you can go up surfaces that horses generally wouldn't be able to climb and stuff like that. And mm. um, it's more maneuverable than a horse if you uh, drift and stuff like that. So it's it's fun jousting a Hinox, which was one of the first things I did. <laughs> Just jousted down a Hinox. It was a lot of fun, um, and yeah, I think I think when you find the approach, the approach of the bike was not to be, uh, you know, a, a stunt crazy, uh, yeah, yeah, motorcycle. It's, it's not a Grand Theft Auto motorbike. No, no, no. no. It's it's a it's a practi- it's a practical mount in yeah. the in the regards that you can climb just about any surface, which mm. is fantastic. Um, there's only one problem I have with it. And that's that it comes too late. You know, it comes too late in the game. Understandably, for story reasons, it needs to be at that point. But mm. after that, like, if you've already if you've already gone through Breath of the Wild and you've finished most of it... and you finish the game, then you finish the DLC, then you get the motorbike. You're pretty much just mucking yeah, around on it at exactly. that point. Yeah. yeah, you're either looking for shrines or you're looking for Koroks. Oh, you're just mucking around. You know, there, there's not a lot. There's not a lot of practical use for it outside, mm. like inside the main story. I think that's. I think that's probably what it's. That's what it's meant for, though. Just mucking around, <coughs> bit of fun at the end of the DLC. Yeah, I guess. Of thing. The the other disappointing thing as well, too, though, is that you can't use it in the Gerudo Desert. Why can't you? No. Was no. that? Did they give you a reason? Uh, no, I, they don't. Not as far as I can tell. It's too hot anyway. or overheat or... Well, no, <laughs> you just can't summon it. And that's what it's like in some areas too, though. Like, you can't summon it inside buildings and stuff like that. And it just says you can't use it here. Yeah. Sort of thing. It works exactly like an amiibo rune. So, you basically just select it and then you can summon it. Like, at a specific spot, it will spawn there. You jump yep. on it. But in the desert, I think, because they're so... Uh, this the desert's so centered around sand steel sand steel travel that they were kind of just like, well, nah, nah, <laughs> you know, make you suffer still. Yeah. yeah, I mean, to be honest, it'd be the most boring place to traverse with the bike anyway, because yeah. there's not there's nothing there's nothing to climb, no. which is half the point of the bike. Actually, so. just just bring up a Gerudo Desert. Like I went back to this DLC, and I actually hadn't gone back for the previous DLC pack. Mm-hmm. So I just uh, recently looked at my travelers. Um, God, yeah, and I actually had touched Gerudo Desert. <laughs> <laughs> really, like I went around like the side of it, and just uh, the other night I discovered that at the end of the desert, just an invisible wall. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know there were any invisible walls in the game. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the only invisible wall in the game, and yeah. it's just treated as the sandstorm's too rough there. I know that. Well, I know it, that it wasn't even that. It just said you can't go any further, and I'm just like running against the wall. Like, oh a, yeah, but like the way the game implies it is that the sandstorm is too rough there because it starts to go dark and it starts to get even worse than it is in some yeah, areas sort yeah. of thing. Um, I know that if you look past the desert, all there is is ocean anyway. Yeah, so yeah. You're, not, you're not missing out on it. Because I thought it was quite smart at the em- other end of the map where it's just a huge canyon. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was quite smart of handling it. Yeah. But it seems a bit 
seems a yeah not not a great idea putting invisible wall like these days. I don't think gamers really like invisible walls. No, I guess but not. But it's kind of, it is hard. Yeah, I mean, having that extra asset in the extra asset in the big open open uh, point in this map where nothing particularly interesting happens doesn't really add anything to the Gerudo mm. Desert. So in this case, it's fine in my yeah, opinion. Yeah. It sucks that I can't go to the ocean that's on the other side of it. I'm sure somebody's found a way to do it already, but. You know mm. what? What are you gonna do when you get there? You swim around. You you die from exhaustion because you, yeah. There's actually you, there's a um series on YouTube called a uh, Boundary Break. I forgot who done it, so I can't give them a plug. But uh, they actually just move the f- camera freely around games, and they've done one for Breath of the Wild, and they actually explore some of those areas. Yeah, I watched that actually. Yeah, did you? Yeah, mm. it's quite interesting. This is like yeah, it's interesting to flat learn. rocks and yeah, <laughs> it's inter- it's interesting to learn that there's just an entire layer layer of water underneath the map. Yeah, just yeah. yeah. It's interesting just how they design the game. Yeah, yeah. Especially for something so big. Yeah, like well, Breath of, of the Wild. Yeah, yeah. No. So, would you recommend like people get this? Obviously, if you're listening to this, you're a pretty big Nintendo fan, and you probably really like Zelda. I think if you're, <laughs> I think if if you've enjoyed your time with Breath of the Wild, it's pretty it's pretty obvious to get the expansion pass. Mm. I think, um, like, if you're looking for more story context, it's in Champions Ballad. You know, yeah. there is some nicer stuff there. You get you get a nice little. Uh, my real reward for it wasn't the motorcycle at all just the story context it was, was it was the story context and I got a nice little a nice little picture at the end which you'll see later yeah. and it was really you know it was really feelsy it was really nice yeah sort of thing um, <coughs> adds a whole new um, whole new section of personality to the characters that we didn't Obviously, we didn't get to see a lot of because they were dead. <laughs> yeah. Spoiler alert if you haven't played Zelda. But yeah, um, yeah, because uh, it, yeah, it just goes back and looks at you know how uh, how the champions came together and became who they are, and yeah, it was, yeah. It was definitely the highlight of the expansion for me. I didn't really. I haven't gone around and fussed myself with the costumes or anything, but I didn't DLC one either. You know, mm. costumes are costumes to me. I'm not, you know, I'm not overly fussed about that type of thing. Yeah, they do have uh, interesting attributes, though. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, um, I haven't got any myself. I've got to go back and find them. And there's there's a lot of them though that just have the same attributes as like ones that you can already find in the game. Okay. Yeah. Like a popular one is, for example, uh, strength up on spin attack, for example, and I think they've put that on like the Dark Link costume, okay, <laughs> which is residing in the game somewhere. But you can have that with the Berserker's set anyway, so mm. you know it's mm. it's only so so. Yeah. So it's it's for thirty dollars for all the content across the two packs. It's pretty good. Yeah, fifteen dollars each. Yeah. I mean, uh, I s- still the h- master mode probably should should have still been in the base game, as it was. Mm. But you know, can't do much about that. Uh, S- Trial of the Sword is pretty worth it, and Champions Ballad is pretty worth it, in my opinion. Just it adds a whole new layer. Mm. If you know what I mean, I know what you mean. Oh, good. good. So Bryce at the Game Awards, Reggie Feesman was there. He was a uh, oh Reggie. He was shaking his shaking his chin a little bit, and he announced uh, three games all up come to the Switch. Two early next year. Yep. Yep. Uh, Bayonetta one and two, which is good. Yeah. So it's a, a port of Bayonetta uh, two, and you get a free download of Bayonetta one. Uh, did you? You didn't get to play too much of Bayonetta two, did you? I played a little bit of it, but um, 
it was around the time where I had a bunch of other shit that I wanted to play, and yeah, you know, the, the Wii U was, you know, starting to drain me. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> you know, as as it did for most people near the end of its lifespan, it was just kind of like, oh god, mm. just because you you were a big fan of the first game. Yeah, Bayonetta one was super good. Yeah, and uh, I bought Bayonetta two and played probably an hour or hour or maybe two hours of it. Yep, had fun. Never got back to it. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll probably I'll probably just finish the copy I've got on the Wii U. I'll, I will probably rebuy it again, but that's me. You know, um, I I, I got I've got to applaud Nintendo a bit because not only are they uh, not only did they you know get the funding out to get a second Bayonetta out, it also became one of the most popular games of that year as well. Yeah. Very highly regarded. Yeah, it was super highly regarded. And like now they're releasing a third Bayonetta, which is fantastic. And I'm glad that Nintendo managed to put the effort in to get this series up and running and that Platinum did their hardest to make sure that it was worth their time. You know, it was, it's was it been a really good exchange between the two companies. And I'm glad that Platinum sees not only that they help them, but sees the potential in their hardware to make to bring this sort of stuff, mm. keep like keep bringing this stuff towards them. Yeah. Um, it was a really good investment uh, in time and money for Nintendo. I feel. I don't know. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily a good investment for their money back, but it's a great investment to show that Nintendo have a like just to diversify their catalog because Nintendo don't really have a, a third person action game like Bayonetta. No, no, absolutely not. Yeah. So like you know, Sony had God of War and Microsoft have. I don't think they have one either, do they? Anyway. But Nintendo doesn't really have a sort of mature... They tried. <laughs> Let's put it that way. <laughs> they don't really have a mature sort of third-person action game. Yeah, yeah. So just having that in their catalogue and also bringing fans over from the first game who were playing on either PlayStation or Xbox, that's a good uh, good way to get a couple of people. I wouldn't say it was... No, I'd say it was a good investment all around for them because in the end, like, people are still bitching about it to this day. You know, they were still bitching about Bayonetta 2. They're like, oh, Nintendo's greedy, rah, rah, rah. And then you're just like, no, Nintendo's not greedy. There would not be a Bayonetta 2 without Nintendo. I do see see the argument. I see the argument that it sucks that it's not on other consoles. Because, like, what happened with uh, Tomb Raider on Xbox One, where's, uh, like, PlayStation fans couldn't play Tomb Raider for a year, or at the time they thought they couldn't play it at all, Mm -hmm. because Microsoft gave them some money... Square Enix said, "Cool, thank you very much." Which is which is fine. Yeah, that's business. But this is Nintendo basically stepping in, funding the game. Yeah, exactly. Not, not just saying, "Give us the exclusive rights." They're actually publishing it and everything. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's exactly. So, like Bay- Bayonetta two probably wouldn't exist without Nintendo stepping stepping with the money. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Either that, or you know, Sony could have stepped in, gave them the money, even. I mean, Microsoft wouldn't have it, and they'll just that's be angry the thing. on that side. They they could have given Platinum money to do that and revive the series and keep on going, but they didn't. And Nintendo was like, "Okay, we'll do it." Because it was Sega that published the first one, was it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So Sega obviously didn't see it being worthwhile to keep it going, and yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, is it's just, it's in the same vein as like Devil May Cry. A lot of people um, enjoyed Devil May Cry games, but to to a degree, it was. You know, you're trying to trying to like hinder off the backbone of like all these other third party monsters mm. that come out every year and stuff like that. Like it's too hard. Yeah, it's really hard for those companies to sort of keep up. And like, unfortunately, uh, Platinum Games had a really like struggling time 
in my opinion. You yeah. know, uh, you had like stuff like Vanquish and Bayonetta that were really good, yeah. but they didn't sell crazy, you know? Um, so Nintendo funding a second Bayonetta and then not only not only getting a Bayonetta 2, but having it being critically acclaimed and being a fucking like, great game for the Wii U's catalogue was fantastic, mm. you know? Um, so for Nintendo to turn around, not only fund them to make the second game, but now we're coming in for a third one. Yeah, that was announced at the Game Awards. Yep. So it's a bit of a tease in development for Switch exclusively. Yeah, exactly. That's cool. Yeah. And like it, it becoming... <clears throat> it becoming one of Nintendo's now flagships is awesome because yeah. I, you know, as as crazy as Bayonetta can be, it's a pretty damn good like set of games. Yeah, you know, the combat's always nice and fluid and stuff like that. Which time is satisfying to use combos, you know, all that stuff. Um, the story's not super unique. I'll, I'll, I'll put I'll put that out there. Angels and Devils is not yeah. a unique concept, <laughs> but like the characters in Bayonetta are what they're fun. Keep, they, they're yeah. fun and silly. Yeah, they keep me going. You know, yeah. that's that was the best part of it. And you know, you get the same sort of thing in Devil May Cry as well with different characters as well. Mm. Um, it's it's the main comparison because they basically hit for the same genre. Yeah, Angels and Devils third person action sort of thing. It's but, funny. Like looking back on it, Bayonetta one, you wouldn't expect Bayonetta to become a sort of staple Nintendo character. <laughs> no, you wouldn't. No. Like, she's in Super Smash Brothers. She's got... She's, she's going to be uh, two exclusive games on the system. Yeah. It's kind of... Um, I'm wondering where Bayonetta 1 falls because that recent... Last year... Was it last year? It got published on PC, on Steam? I think so. Yeah, so that, that game's obviously still owned by Sega or... Yeah, well, yeah. it must be. But I think... I think Sega already have, like, a pretty decent relationship with Nintendo. Do you know so. what I mean? Yeah. So, and for Bayonetta just earns the money, even if, you know, they're not selling it. Mm. If Nintendo's selling it, they Sega still has the rights. I don't know whether Nintendo bought them out or... I don't know. It'd be interesting to sort of know the... It would be, the logistics Because Platinum it. might own uh, the Bayonetta IP. Yeah. And yeah. they just go out to Sega to publish it, and they said no, so now they've gone to Nintendo. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. But, um, like, that aside... Uh, you know that aside just having having the opportunity to have such a character and an IP in general mm. like that come to Nintendo platform has been a pretty strong yeah. thing like in at least in my opinion <laughs> in in Smash Bros see like Pikachu next to Bayonetta <laughs> like in a tights and a yeah with a cleavage <laughs> but see Bayonetta was also satisfying in that game sort of thing you know like um, it's it's really strange because I understand that I understand that you know that it's, it's not the strongest genre lately especially third person third person action oh it's all gone open world now hasn't it yeah it's yeah. all sort of going it's all sort of gone open world but like I think there's a special place for these kind of titles it sort of evolved into the more like the Dark Souls kind of combat where yeah. people are looking for something a bit harder, a bit more thoughtful. People are looking, yeah, people are looking for challenges. Yeah. I think people are looking for more thoughtful things rather than like, a, like skill. I, I, I don't know. But the issue is the issue is between two games like that. And I'll, I'll, I'll just touch on this quickly. And um, if if you're a fan of Ego Raptor at all... Yes. Um, anybody that's listening... You would have you would have eventually came across the sequelitis, which was Ocarina of Time versus Link to the Past. 
mm-hmm. and he'd made it very clear that he was a Link to the Past fan and that he thought Ocarina of Time was just slow and trudging. In my opinion, Dark Souls, suffer- Dark Souls and other games like it suffer the same sort of problem. Right. You spend a lot of time dodging and a lot of less time attacking. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because if yeah, you get hit, you die. You're, you're a big, like, a Devil May Cry Bayonetta fan, aren't you? Sort of like... Oh, I like those games, yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I like I like heavy action heavy action games. Uh, you know, whether it be like something as simple as Dynast- like the Warriors franchise in general or, you know, Bayonetta, Devil May Cry, etc. Yeah. Um, Resident Evil, if you want to count it in that. Because um, to really. a degree... No, not Resident Evil. No, nah, I I would I would kind of lump it in there, except it's obviously on more on the horror side. Mm. But well, somewhere, um, somewhere near as fast and combo. One no, but you do realize that Devil May Cry was made off. Uh, it was either Devil May Cry was made off a Resident Evil engine, because it was yeah, originally yeah. Yeah, yeah you know sort of thing. That's why I lump it in with the same vein is because technically you know over the years it's kind of come off the same sort of yeah mm, as yeah. the same vein as Devil May Cry. It's just a different setting. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, like I've, I've played, I've played, I've played like a bit of Dark Souls, a bit of Bloodborne. I've played a bit of everything, you know, um, I lose my patience with them because I just want to kill things. That's, do you know what I mean? That's why I never, uh, bother touching them. Yeah. No, I wanted to play Bloodborne at some stage. I'm like, I am just going to, I'm going to get home from work and I'm just going to hate myself if I'm playing this type of game. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I I understand why people would enjoy it and I understand, like, killing something would be super satisfying because you're like, oh my god, I've been doing this for ages. But the problem is the doing this for ages bit for yeah, me. Yeah, Like, if I want to come home and I want to kill shit and I put in Bayonetta <laughs> or Devil May Cry, I just kill a lot of things quickly. Even Bayonetta, though, that's pretty hard. Oh, yeah. Most Bay- games are pretty hard. Bayonetta yeah. can be pretty hard, yeah. But the difference is, is like, because it's less about... Um, I mean, obviously, Bayonetta has positives in dodging, like witch time. Yeah. But it immediate, like immediately dodging and getting witch time leads into a positive attacking thing. Do yeah. you know what I mean? You're immediately yeah. going back to slicing yeah, something. You're, you're rewarded with your exactly. good execution. Yeah. Exactly. You're, you're immediately rewarded with your good execution. Whereas in games like Bloodborne, Dark Souls, etc. You know, I don't have to say that a million times. <laughs> you know, you're rewarded for knowing, a, knowing an enemy's pattern. Mm. Per se, it's not. It's not about your actual um, skill with the combat per se, as much as it is knowing what the enemy is going to do. The games force you to play something over and over again to get a result. So you learn its patterns, and you can exactly m- manipulate that. Yeah, yeah. That's that's why I could never really go back and do all of, do all of, like. Obviously, I've played. I've played a good amount of time in them to go. Yeah, you know, mm. sort of thing. I was thinking about getting into uh, Dark Souls because. Uh, when the Switch first came out, there's rumours that uh, it was going to get ported. It was going to get ported. Yeah, they have it running, but yeah, those games are really technically impressive. So it'd be interesting to see what it would uh, look like on Switch. But, oh yeah, yeah. but so, you know, so is Doom and the Bethesda's games. So yeah, they've got them going. Yeah, they've, they're all working them out pretty much well, well and fine. But yeah, no, um, you know, even if what it, I suppose what I'm trying to culminate to is, is even if Nintendo ever never gets anything like Dark Souls or Bloodborne or anything like that, me as a me as an individual, I'm perfectly happy with something like Bayonetta because it delivers a similar experience, just in a different sort of taste. Yeah, do you know what I mean? You're still feeling that gritty sort of combat sort of thing with plenty of blood or whatever. Yeah, but in a different style. I hope they actually go out and um. 
whether they're making it themselves or finding more partners like Platinum, but I hope they go out and get some more like mature games. Well, yeah, I. the thing is... Not necessarily because I'm like, oh, I want blood. <laughs> I want edgy. It, it, it is just interesting seeing having a better, like a more diverse portfolio. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because like on, on the other guy's side, on Microsoft's, or Microsoft, for example, they've got pretty much all all hardcore like war war games apart from oh, yeah, of course. apart from Rare, who they've got developing Sea of Thieves, and they've you know re releasing Banjo Kazooie and things like that. But yeah, and Sony's got a couple of things. They had, they had Little Big Planet, and they've got a Media Molecule making Dreams and Knack. Mm-hmm. Can't forget Knack. Oh, Knack. Yeah, good old Knack. And of course, yeah, Ratchet and Clank and that, but. <laughs> Um, just spinning off that though, um, let's talk. Let's let's have a quick talk about the 2018 line, uh, 2018 and beyond lineup that we've received this year. <laughs> it's gonna be a short conversation. It's gonna be a short conversation, <laughs> but um, only to a degree because I feel like whatever that they've announced for you know 2018 and beyond so far has been good. Yeah. So let's talk about that and let's talk about what we want to see in 2018. Yeah, good idea. So we'll do that. So it's that we Brief- at, at A3, Yoshi and Kirby games got announced for 2018. Yep. So they're two games we've actually seen gameplay for. Yep. Yep. That, Which is uh, good. Yeah, good. They look fun. Yeah, they look fun. Another Yoshi game, another Kirby game. Yeah. <laughs> two player, four player, whatever you want to do, Joy Cons. Yeah. yeah, you know, it, the thing is though is again, still it's it's Nintendo IPs that more of more Nintendo IPs they get on that system quickly, the better. Hmm. Quality opinion. as as long games. as they're quality. Because as long as they're quality. That's what's gotten them to where they are at the moment. No, the, no, the issue <laughs> the issue that they've had in the Wii U's past is that they couldn't deliver a consistent lineup that was quality. Yeah, absolutely. So, like, you, no. could, you could go two, two years without a game and then you get a quality one or you get a shit one. It yeah. was random. What, what I meant about um, quality's gotten, to, gotten where they are is the Switch is going well and they've, because all their games oh. have been quality this year. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. As long as they keep delivering that standard of quality, it'll mm. succeed. Yeah. You and, know what I mean? And, like, while I'm not super ex- excited for the Yoshi and Kirby games, it will be nice to have that sort of really family-friendly 2D game. You can yeah. chuck, a, chuck a Joy-Con to a kid. Yeah, absolutely. Like I'm not, I'm not going to rush out and buy them <laughs> immediately, sort of thing. No. But um, having having a presence, having an immediate presence on the console is a fantastic thing. Mm, yeah, you know, it's it's the sort of thing where like a lot of a lot of Nintendo's IPs kind of felt like lackluster or completely ignored during the Wii U's time. Yeah, sort of thing. <laughs> Unless it came down to Smash Bros, and then it's just like you know, Smash Bros only goes so far because Smash Bros is a mashup game. Yeah. Um, but uh, with so much coming out within, like we've had so much within the first year that has been crazy. Even like a lot of people are just like, oh, the we the the Switch is getting ports and ports don't count, and and then it's just like, well, for the people that didn't buy a Wii U or didn't fucking bother, it counts for them. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Which and is that a, was which is a fair few people. A lot of people, yeah. a lot of people that didn't buy a Switch. You it's know, like, like, like they went and bought a Switch. Yeah. I should say it's like with Bayonetta two coming to coming the Switch. I I don't care. I've bought that game. Yeah, but I'll a lot play of that game on. <laughs> I'll get, I'll get over the fact that I'm playing with this awkward ass controller and now. Like, All right, <laughs> I bought it now. I'm playing it here. I'm not spending another eighty dollars. Yep. Right. Yeah. Because I'm but, trying to be good with my money. <laughs> <laughs> but for the people that didn't give a shit at the at the yeah. time. 
you know, it's it'd, great, be, yeah. it'd be great because Bayonetta 2, again, was an amazing game. It got crazy scores and it was really good. Hmm. Um, you know, when you take that into account and then you have like the late life pocket tournament and stuff like that that came out as well. Not that I particularly care too much about it and neither do you. No. Like that's already obvious. I'm pretty sure your copy's still been sitting on my shelf for the last year. Yeah. So I, bu- I bought it and I let, after about a week or two, I let you borrow it and I still hadn't yeah. <laughs> got it back to play it. Yeah, because, you, you know, you weren't too interested. And that's one of the only um, like first party... Nintendo games I haven't picked up on the Switch <laughs> this year. Yeah, yeah. Which is fair, you know, it's the game is the game is not particularly what you're looking for and that's fine. But for the people that do want to play it, it's there, you yeah. know. And a lot of people wouldn't have picked that up because it was near the end of the Wii U's life and nobody gave a shit about it because it was a shit ton of money to buy one. Yeah. You know. Just just looking back on the the Wii U lineup across like the the whole five years or whatever it was every game's perfect for the switch yeah yeah <laughs> and it just shows you that uh this is like the console they really wanted to make yeah absolutely i feel like this is what they're going for with the wii u i've been saying that for a long time too yeah. like i've been sitting there like oh my god you know this is clearly what they wanted to do with the wii u yeah. you know but they just didn't know how they were going to do it it's they like, didn't think they could fit it in like so super mario 3d world i know it's not your favorite mario but yeah, yeah. what a perfect game for the switch yeah, perfect yeah. game. Oh, four, absolutely. Four player, four Joy Cons. Well, yeah, perfectly fine for the Switch. Yeah, <laughs> perfectly fine. <laughs> perfectly fine. <laughs> but you know, it it is something that you can play anywhere. Well, you're saying it's fine on the Switch, but it's perfect for the rubbish bin. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, I'm saying okay, I, I'm yeah. saying I didn't really give a shit about it on the rubbish <laughs> bin, <laughs> as you as you've so lightly called it. <laughs> I, I, I didn't really I didn't really care for it too much. I, I understand that there's a lot of people that did like it, but I, I'm I don't know. I, f- I felt like it was something that belonged on the 3ds. We had an inter- iteration of it on the 3ds, and it was fine. Yep. Uh, but then, like when it came to Wii U, it's like the focus is on multiplayer. Nobody wanted to play the fucking Wii U. Who give a sh- who gave a shit about it? Uh, uh, um, someone will say something. Not me. But. <laughs> you know, <laughs> me. Who keeps saying that? I'm looking forward to finishing a couple of games like Bayonetta 2 and whatever. Getting Smash Bros on the Switch for nothing. Then you can. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> when when you look at it from that perspective, ports have been good this year. Like, yeah. um, a, a lot of people generally don't agree. They're like, eh, ports. Mm. You know, ports aren't real releases. Mm. It's like, no. For in, in this case scenario, when the Wii U did really bad and the Switch is doing really good, I think it's a positive yeah, thing. Yeah, because I, I was really happy to get Mario Kart 8 again on yeah. Switch. Yeah, shit, yeah. And, like, um, you know, you can't... Uh, the the ports that came out from other developers this year as well Skyrim Doom you know we've got Wolfenstein 2 next year which is crazy yeah it'd be interesting what that looks like yeah yeah and then you know you've got LA Noir like Rockstar hasn't given a shit about Nintendo no in a long time not since the Nintendo 64 days with their original game which turned into GTA yeah exactly the name of. no <laughs> I can't remember it either but you know um you know, seeing that publishers are obviously interested in what this console can do for mm. their brand is good. Yeah. And I don't care if it's if it's only going to... Like, they're only going to initially release a port of something to test the waters. That's fine. You know, a lot of people see that as a negative thing. I'm like, no, it means they're interested. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, LA Noir was re-released for everything. Okay, so it wasn't just Nintendo. So you can't just be like, oh, it's just a port of LA Noir. It's like, well, no, it was re-release. And Switch got considered for it. That's fantastic. Mm. I'm not 
a massive fan of L.A. Noir. Jade played through it. Jade played through L.A. Noir just fine. Yeah. And she thought it was good. She mm. thought it was all right. Like, it's not the most extravagant game ever, but, you know, L.A. Mm. Noir. It's fine. Um, obviously, we've got stuff like Doom and Skyrim, which have been highly regarded games. And Bethesda have been really putting their hands in there, which is fantastic because Bethesda's a good development studio. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, it, like, I reckon they're one of the uh, sort of the best, one of the best uh, partners Nintendo could probably get from a third party. Just yeah. huge um, single player games. That's that's what you sort of want on Switch. But with the only real blunder that they've had was Tezo, Elder Scrolls mm. Online. Uh, I know, I know that they've gone back and fixed it though, haven't they? Well, yeah, to a degree. But like, it was like their only major real blunder in the past couple of years sort of yeah. thing. It was super expensive to play and I'm not going to go into it, but I played it for a little bit and it's like, eh. It went, it went to... Did it go free to play? Oh, did it? You buy it and then it's free to play. Yeah, okay. Not, no longer a subscription service, which yeah. is fine. That's what it needed to be in, in the first place. Mm. You know, a game like a game that's so much like Skyrim or something like that and people are just going to go back to Skyrim. Yeah. <laughs> okay. They don't give a shit about the MMO aspect too much. All right, we'll get back to uh, anticipated Switch games for next year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what else is now? So there's there's, Bay- there's Bayonetta three. Yep, it's in development. Probably not next year. Yep. There's a uh, Pokemon in yep. development. Probably not next year. Mm-hmm. And there's Metroid in development. Also, probably, probably not next, next year. year. No. So they're going to come out either January or February with a direct and sort of outline what's going on. Yeah. What's what's going on? So f- probably for the first. Six months, maybe? Yeah. But that E3, they blow it out with their holiday game or what, what's going on? The mere confirmation of those three IPs, though, has me excited. Mm. Um, because it is three big IPs. They might not necessarily come next year, but having a mainline Pokemon game on the Switch is going to be fantastic. Hopefully, you know, like, I haven't been too happy with you some, obviously. Yeah. Um, and I know Ultra a lot Sun, of people, Ultra Moon, yeah, yeah. I know a lot of people that are kind of just like I've kind of felt like I played a forty dollar beta test of the last game to get this one. Uh, it's not even that. It's uh, it's it's uh, Sun and Moon, but it's like you play through Sun and Moon. The things in Ultra Sun and Moon you would expect to be like, hey, download this uh, expansion pass. You get the wormholes. You get this and you get that. That's what it is. Yeah, that's yeah. what it feels like. Like because I I bought them and I was going to play through it and. I played through the first quarter. I'm like, oh, this is so similar. It's not even funny. Yeah, it's pretty and much the same. I just want to get to the end to do the ultra wormholes to do find the legendaries and that. That's yeah. all I wanted to and, do. And do rainbow rocket and all that shit. Yeah, it's just like they're, they're just those things they highlighted in the trailers were the extras. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is like, well, it's unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. So hopefully, like, I'm hoping the next Pokemon game will actually have some meat to it. I think it will. I think it will have some meat to it. I don't think it's going to be... They've got a lot more space to work with now, let's put it that way. Yeah, no. But it'll but also... Are they able to work with that space? I'm, I'm sure they will, in, at least in some direction. Like, it, it, it will be interesting seeing Game Freak uh, work on a essentially a full console Pokemon game. Yeah. Because yeah. they've... Look, they could, leave it, they could leave it as it is now and upscale it and just make a massive world and I'd be happy. Oh, I, don't, I don't... I think they'd better do more than that. No, I mean, like... I, I mean the same sort of perspective right yeah. but give us a much bigger world you know give us multiple regions we can go across or whatever yeah that's the problem I don't think they'll do that they give us more content whatever but I feel like if they're going to make they're going to try really hard to make a 3D Pokemon that isn't quite the same it's just going to throw people off you know 
Pokemon Pokemon has grown as an IP as it has. It has pretty much standed in the same direction as it has for the past, you know, what yeah. is it, 25 years? And it's like the mascot of video games almost. It's yeah. right up there. Yeah. Exactly. So like, you know, if if you ask them for too much sort of thing, it's going to be it's going to be mm. crazy. Like you've got a lot of beta Pokemon like People running, people make un, Unreal Engine demos, for example, and you got so someone's good. like, "Oh, look at this! Oh, yeah, look at this Pokemon demo where like I catch this this Charmander or Pikachu in real time, <laughs> and then they fight in real time." I don't think that's going to work. No, no, God no, God no. I'm not saying go into it and just rip out the battle mechanics and everything you love about the game and make it some third person action game. <laughs> I'm not saying that. I'm just saying put some put plenty of stuff to do. Play through the main game and yeah, that's yeah, what I'm yeah. saying. Yeah. Like, what I really hated about uh, Sun and Moon is just every single route you go to, every town, it's just blah, 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 text, dialogue. Talky, talk. And since I already played the game, going to Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon, I'm just pressing A. I'm like, shut up. Because they say a lot of nothing. Yeah. They say a lot of nothing. They're just going on about, oh, this you meet this guy. This is the professor. This is his wife. Blah, 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 blah. Like, I don't care. Like, in all the I other games... Know. All the, the other games, you go into the town, you go, you <laughs> talk to some NPCs, you heal your Pokemon, you just look around, see what's going on. Yeah. yeah. I feel like it, it almost needs, a, maybe not a Breath of the Wild treatment, but maybe a Link Between Worlds treatment. Yeah. Mix up the order, sort of go around... It it is a bit harder in a game like that, just having like the levels and. I don't think I don't think it is actually. I think it's very possible to scale. I think I think Pokemon would probably benefit from something like it scales to your party. Okay, to yeah. a degree, that'd be nice. Yeah, like sure, it would it would mean like you know sometimes if you're going through like a low Pokemon run or something like that, it wouldn't leave it very challenging. Mm. Or I guess know. I guess what they could do is it's like you, the whatever the first gym you go to, that's. Uh, level 10 Pokemon to second gym level 20 Pokemon yeah. whatever just work out a way I don't know because it's just they they tried to mix it up in the sun and moon with the trials I think the trials were still essentially the same thing they were kind of the same thing I think they had a lot more personality which was nice mm. but you know they're not they're not fun to do over again mm. yeah I, I just feel the way sun and moon went they made it just really linear Oh, it's so linear. In a game that's about exploring and mixing up your party, discovering new monsters. Not being able to travel to sea was the worst thing ever. That really surprised me. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, wait, wait, you can't explore the sea? It's just... Yeah, it's like this big open sea and you can't explore it. And then, like, apparently there was, like, that Mantine, that Mantine game in Yusum. Yeah, so you basically We're, just go between it, just doing jumps off waves. and Yeah, and people were like, oh, I'm so excited to surf around on a Mantine. No, that wasn't the case. No, it was, it's a mini game instead of just game. watching the gate, uh, the boat cutscene. Yeah. yeah, and you're kind of just like, oh. oh. So yeah, like Pokemon's one of my favourite franchises. It's why I'm such a big Nintendo nerd. And, and, you're, and you're a critic about <laughs> these kinds of things. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, because like it does feel like, it does feel like in the past, like... Oh god! You get a lot of people that are just like, and this is to a, to a degree, it's a fair point. To a degree, it's a fair point, yeah. right? Where people are like, "Oh well, in the past we got stuff like Emerald or Crystal or something like that that pretty much did the same thing," and then it's just like, "Well, yeah, in a time where there was no DLC, you know, downloadable content wasn't a thing. It yeah. wasn't a possible thing, you know." Uh, the only way to get downloadable content was adding an extension to your console or game cart. Yeah. Which obviously didn't take off. The 64DD was enough to tell you that, mm. you know. Um, but then, not only that, um, but it was only one sequel. Yeah. Right? 
you move on to that. We've now uh, you had Black Two and White Two, uh, which were essentially everything you would want in a third Pokemon game. Even exactly. if it was, yeah. even if it was two, yeah. you know, it was, it was set two years in the future. You had a different route of gyms. Mm. You know, you had a completely unique story to those sequels. Yeah, it was essentially the same region and everything, but it was completely revamped. That's why Sun and Moon or Ultra Sun Ultra Moon was so disappointing. Yeah, I thought that was going to be the way going forward, yeah. doing like sequels. Yeah, but just seeing just just starting the game, and I remember in the trailer they were just like, "Oh, you get you meet your starter Pokemon a different way." I'm like, "Cool, that is <laughs> that is not a reason for me to buy this." That game. is not great. Yeah, yeah. But when you look at it from that perspective, it's just kind of like how how like in the era of DLC, we had a set of Pokemon games. Even yeah. if people don't like black and I know people don't like black and white that much. A lot of people seem to think it's the weakest in the series, and probably I probably just the vocal minority. Yeah, I would say maybe. Um, I I disagree with it. I think black black white and black two and white two are the, some of the strongest in the series because mm. of the sequels that I came. I think out. it's just like the handful of really different and weird Pokemon designs. I, I guess. It's just your Trubbish and your Vanillax and those those Pokemon which made people go, uh-huh, what? I, I guess. Think, I think that was most of it. I guess, but like when you look at it from a completely different perspective of like the story was extended. By far the strongest story. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like t- taking off your, your, your shaders for um, red and blue with like your super iconic characters. <laughs> um, yeah, by far the strongest story. Actually trying to push push a message. Yeah. animal cruelty and yeah things like that even though it turns around he doesn't give a fuck about that <laughs> yeah. but Put, it, you know you know push it push not only pushing that message but showing that like a world a, a region even mm. as you would call it can be developed and pushed pushed forward as a sequel yeah. was was fantastic it was yeah. great like it shows how the the world's progressed yeah and we've never never once in probably 20 or however many pokemon games there are way more than that i think so. <laughs> uh yeah, we've never seen that in the in the series. No, no, we never got that again, sort of thing. Um, but uh, then you some came out uh, came out of the woodwork, and it was kind of just like, great, what are they going to do with this? And it was essentially what everything everybody's been like, oh, it's no different to Emerald. And it's like, sure, it's it's no different to Emerald. The difference is though, is that we're in the era of a time where downloadable content is the thing. Mm. Okay, so. Sure, a lot of people are like, oh, but I wouldn't want DLC. It's not a physical product. And then it's just like, you're buying the same game. Yeah. You, you're literally buying the same game. Because now on 3DS, they can make DLC. Yeah. Like, it, it's, yeah. Exactly. It's it's not an impossible thing to do. And then on top of that, you know, you, you push that forward a bit. <laughs> and you shill out two copies of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you, you put exclusive Pokemon in those games... It's essentially essentially the em- like the emerald crystal treatment, where it's the third in a sequel, yellow treatment. Even it was the same thing. Yeah, and they're splitting it up. Yeah, and they're splitting it up, making you pay double if you want all those exclusive Pokemon. Because like, even as a kid, like uh, I played Sapphire. Two years later, they bring out Emerald. Emerald, you sort of you get access to um, Battle Frontier and stuff. Well, you get access to Pokemon that were in both. Yeah, yeah. In that. And like little things like that when you're a kid are exciting. Yeah. And again, in a time when yeah. DLC wasn't a thing. And you get right. access to Groudon, Kyogre. It's like, oh, well, you get to it both in the same game. Yeah. So kids kids these days would be like probably 
excited for Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon, the same way we're excited for Emerald and that. Yeah. So it is kind of hard to judge because these are primarily with kids in mind. I mean, they are primarily within kids in mind, but they're also shilling for Christmas. I think, yeah, I think that's half the problem as well. Just the shilling out for Christmas. Well, they're, they're a lot more focused on for kids. Now, I feel like the older games anyone can play, you can sort of... The problem The problem with saying that, though, is that we've all grown up with Pokemon. Yeah. So, it's not it's not excusable to completely ignore the people that have been sticking with the series for this many years. I've been, I've been with it for 20 years. I 20. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. 20 freaking years, you know, sort of thing. And I still love Pokemon, and I can guarantee that a lot of people my age, your age, still do love Pokemon. So... You know, you can't just say, oh, well, all of our fans have moved on because that's a complete bullshit lie. No. You brought back a ton of people with Pokego. I'd love to see the stats of how old uh, the average Pokemon fan is. Oh, I think it'd have to be in the teenagers. It'd be like 18. It'd be around about like... 16 or something. Anywhere between 16 and 18. Yeah. You know, because those people can actually buy it with their own money that they earn from their jobs. Yeah. You know? Like, a a lot of kids get this stuff for Christmas. They're like, Mom, I want Pokemon for Christmas. And then, you know, they they get it for Christmas, sure, but they're not the ones buying it on release date. They're not the ones pre-ordering it. You know, those are the adults who have grown up with it. Not the nerds on Twitch streaming it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Giving you more source of revenue, like all that sort of shit, free advertisement. We're just, just seeing the um, PokerTubers on YouTube. Yeah. They're all like 22, 23. Exactly. About, yeah. yeah. And they're not exactly small. <laughs> no. No. You know, a lot of poker tubers get a lot of a lot of, a lot of good traction. Yeah. So we're 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 just talking from a sense of passion because we love Pokemon. Yeah. And we want a Pokemon game on Switch that is gonna just, that is worth the money. <laughs> well, it's that we can play for ages. Yeah. Like, one one that we can actually be excited about and yeah. it's not just use some, I guess. Yeah. So let's let's hope there's a good one on Switch. Um. And the final thing we get to talk about is Metroid. Yes. Metroid. Yes. 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 yes, I'll let you. I'll let you talk first, because you have a. You have the tips of your fingers in Metroid, whereas I've got more of a hand in. If you know what I mean. Well, so you, 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 talk, you, talk, talk, talk to me. What do you? What do you? What do you expect? What do you want to see from Metroid? Um, as somebody who's played a little bit of Metroid, I'm looking for an extension of the Prime series, since it's called Metroid Prime Four. Gotcha. Uh, hopefully, we'll see a. Really good story, good campaign from Samus, and uh, I really would like to see multiplayer in this. Absolutely, like we've talked before, hunters. Oh uh, yeah, after hunters, like because a lot of people would have looked over hunters, seeing as it's not ideal controls and all that stuff. All that stuff. But yeah. the multiplayer was so fun. It was great. So I'd yeah. love to see that put into it. Because I uh, like with Nintendo going out, reaching out to uh, Platinum Publishing Bayonetta, like. It'd be great for them to have a first-person shooter. Yeah, because like you know, whether whether Activision or EA or come like those big guys come to the Switch and put a first-person shooter on there anyway. Call of Duty Battlefield doesn't suit the Switch. No, like I don't even care if it shows up. To be honest, no, of course, no. I don't think the Switch needs it. People who are interested in those types of games will be buying them on whatever. Will have their high-powered PC or the Xbox One X or the PlayStation Pro, where all their other friends are playing it. Yeah, so it'll be great to see a um, Nintendo-made first-person shooter, and I think Metroid. Metroid's always been a fantastic candidate for that. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, that's what I really want to see. Well, yeah. 
What about yourself? Okay, so I, as as somebody who's played through uh, not quite all of Super Metroid, but most of it, um, unfortunately lost my save file for that and didn't want to go back and do it again. Uh, I've played through pretty much all the primes. I think the only one that I didn't finish was Echoes, and that's only because I didn't have a accessible copy. Yeah, um, I played through Corruption. Uh, played through Hunters. You know, um, all those nice things. Uh, the best time that I ever had was with Hunters, in my opinion, because as kids, we ha- we all had our own copy and we'd play Hunters. And you could play that with Download Play even if you didn't have a copy mm. and it was crazy. Just get to play as Samus though. Yeah, you only get to play as Samus, but still. And I ended up just playing Samus anyway because I really liked the lock-on missiles. Yeah, exactly. So, that's yeah. not too bad. <laughs> but, um, you know, uh, there was great diversity in that multiplayer and I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. Um, what's something that's always interested me in Metroid is the environments that you traverse. You get all sorts, all sorts of different places in one planet. Really weird. Yeah, they can be really yeah. strange. Like, the, not many games have sort of really weird alien sort of feeling no. planets, especially yeah. like a first-person shooter for a multiplayer game. Yeah, absolutely. It's only like some parts of Halo, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a sci-fi shooter we're missing out on. Yeah, you know, uh, Halo. Halo's not exactly got the best traction nowadays. It's very, very, um, very slowly going down the sink. Mm. So we're missing we're missing a sci-fi action shooter sort of thing with some multiplayer. And you know, we had Prey recently, which was apparently fantastic. I'd never got around to playing it though. Mm. You know, I need to purchase it sometime and play it. Um, but it's it's a genre that's not being being explored much at the moment. Sort yeah. of thing, and Metroid has a strong place in just about everybody's hearts. Um, you know who's a Nintendo fan, I suppose. Everyone's hearts is like everyone's hearts is like this. This one hundred and two year old grandmother, <laughs> man, I really miss Samus. I don't know what a video game is, but <laughs> I love Metroid. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but um, yeah, I th- I think I think it's something that needs to come out, come strong, come with all these features that could be really cool. Uh, I understand that um, we might not get multiplayer for it, but I damn hope we do. Uh, I know we've got Splatoon for that type of thing, but it's not quite the same. Oh no, like, <laughs> no one here. <laughs> Spl- Splatoon is all about turf wars and you know all that. Uh, Capture the flag. Capture the flag. Squid the kid. <laughs> <laughs> but like um, having having. Because Metroid, Metroid can invoke so many different emotions. Like it has the capability to do that. It can evoke fear. You can evoke, you know, pride and all that, all that nice stuff. When you take down like a big ass monster, or you'd be afraid of being ganked by a million Metroids in your face, and you're just like, ah, they're trying to face <laughs> suck me. Sort of like what Half Life did for people. Yeah, Half Life was the same thing. You know, um, but uh, yeah, I think that it needs to come out. It needs to show us all those beautiful Metroid environments that we could have. It needs to, if if possible, I know again, if if possible, multiplayer where you know we can have that access to different characters or different weapons or you know have some fun with it. You know, yeah. even if it's just four v four multiplayer or something like that, that'd be really cool. Um, we need to we need to have. Um, more characterization of Samus but not as much as Metroid Other M <laughs> do you know what I mean I'd like I know what you mean I'd like to uh, I'd like to see Samus evolve more as a character uh, which didn't really happen in Other M it kind of went regressed her a bit it'd be interesting to see what they uh, 
what Nintendo does with Samus as a character, like knowing the pushback from other M. Yeah. It would be, yeah. See if they just shy away from it or they try a different approach. And it's also harder to do it in a game like that, which is which, which will presumably be first person as well. I just have to do it through cutscenes or no. I, I don't think it's I don't think it's completely impossible to tell a story through the gameplay as we've seen with many other games in the past. Mm. Like it's not hard to hear some dialogue boxes from like Samus or something like yeah. that when we walk into a place that's just like a deserted ice ruins or something, and she's just like, "Wow, what the?" F-? She's like, "Whoa, this is cool." <laughs> Whoa, this is cool, dude. Oh, dude. Oh my god, dude! I should have brought my sunglasses. <laughs> oh, this is a funny joke. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I hope that's what the new Metroid game is. <laughs> All right, Bryce. We'll, Sonic. <laughs> we'll we'll keep things moving because we're at almost at an hour. Oh god, jeez! <laughs> hasn't been hard to talk about all this stuff, really, has it? No, but yeah. But uh, out of out of these games that are in development and we don't have any release dates on, do you think any will be next year? Oh God, I really want to say I ho- I really want to say yes, but I don't I don't see it happening. It'll probably be 2019. I have a feeling like we're still going to get a pretty decent year next year, but I don't think it's going to be anywhere near as strong as this one. Oh, it can't be. No, it, I it think can't it'd be. be impossible, right? Like I but, think like a lot of these games would have been held back from last year. Yeah, for the Wii U because Zelda would have been ready for like Christmas time last year, I would assume. Oh yeah, Mario is usually on a three-year development cycle. And mm-hmm. that third that third year fell last year, so yep. that, that was probably originally a Wii U game back in the day. And uh, yeah, mm. what do you think of uh, Smash Bros next year? Oh please! Do you think that would be a gap filler, like a Wii U port to fill in? A, I think so. A big gap. The thing is, is that um, I know I don't, I don't know if you saw on the internet the other day, but there was a teaser, like a Chinese teaser for Melee HD. Oh. But the problem is, is a lot of people, uh, the the people that teased it said something about being Chinese exclusive or something. Oh, um, actually, that's a big news story that happened in the world of Nintendo. Uh, Nintendo is partnered with Nvidia to put um, uh, Wii games on the Nvidia Shield in China. Oh, wow! So that might be that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> did, you, did you hear about this? No. Basically, they they partnered with Nvidia because obviously they're partnered with Nvidia for the Switch Integra chip. And they're putting uh, Twilight Princess, Punch-Out! and New Super Mario Bros. Wii on the NVIDIA Shield. Oh, exclusively in China. Right. I guess it's just to kickstart their... Keep keep their brand awareness up without actually putting hardware into the country. China has a really weird market in video games. Yeah, it's you know, really weird, yeah. It's really it's, strange. It's, it's recently opened up, but... Oh, yeah, but it's... God, it's it's so strange. You look yeah. at it's like all these things that get released in China that don't get released here, but at the same time, some of them are like, "Oh damn, I wish I had that." And the others are just mm. like, "What?" The so yeah, that's fuck? that's a really interesting, yeah, it's really thing what happened, which I completely forgot. It's about. really strange, yeah, yeah. And I'm hoping that it is for the Nvidia Shield, so people can just shut shut up about it not being on not being in other other countries on Switch, which it seems everybody's convinced it is. So, you know, yeah. um, it it would be, as much as I'd like to say, yeah, cool to a Melee HD, I feel like it regresses the series a lot. Because unfortunately, the Melee competitive scene is... I mean, just, just give it, just, just give it to them. <laughs> but if you, if you give it to them, then it's going to hinder the sales of the next Smash Bros or whatever, because the Melee, the Melee community is so harsh. Uh, I they're don't so, think, they're I, so quick to judge Sakurai and his decisions. I don't think they'll uh, affect the size of the next Smash Bros. I think it'll just make more money because everyone goes and buys Melee HD instead of just 
no putting it, it on their computer or it'll affect it because there's so many people out there that just refuse to play any other smash than melee but would they not buy anyway probably not <laughs> yeah they're that well. critical you look at smash players uh melee players view on like brawl or even four they're not fond of it at all you look at um you know evo attorneys and stuff like that <laughs> they've got fucking there's like <laughs> Shit tons of people entered in Melee, but like 4,000 people entered in like Smash 4 or whatever, and you're just like, oh my... Oh, <laughs> it's such a shame because Smash 4 is a good game. <laughs> Whenever we bring up uh, Smash Bros, it always turns into... If you go back to early episodes, it's just like, what do you think of Smash 4? And you're just like, oh, it's great, but the the Melee fans, oh. Yeah, well, that's the... Pro- <laughs> I mean, I can I can go on about it for days, but that like, it's it's, it's I I don't have a, I don't have a problem with melee at all. But melee fans can be so damn aggressive. They're like, why haven't we got Ridley yet? This game sucks. I'm going back to my wave dashing. Mm. Oh yeah, you're going back to your exploit that you've been using for the past seven years. Good Actually, uh, in a few days, Brawlout comes out in the Switch, which is a yeah, which we talked about last week. Which, which it just disappeared off the face of the earth, yeah. and now it's got a release date. Yeah, so it's coming out uh, December nineteenth, and it's basically an indie Super Smash Bros. And it's showing all the features of the game, and one of the features is wave dashing. It actually says oh, it actually says in the trailer wave dashing. Oh, no, and I'm just like, oh god, why? Why would you pander to that? Because people will see it and they'll go cool and I'll they'll buy it. Oh, and the, the no. developers are probably big melee fans too. Maybe, yeah. All right, so Bryce, we'll move away from that topic and we'll move on to the last one quickly. So it's ba- basically the Switch as has hit uh, ten million units sold in nine months. That's right, which is an incredibly fantastic turnaround from the Wii U. Yeah, which the lifetime sales is. Bit over thirteen million. Really? So it's almost. So the switch is going to eclipse it by early next year. Well, probably because of Christmas, will probably sell heaps between there. And that would. I mean, that kind of just reflects back on like these people didn't get to play these ports. Mm. Like holy shit, we're almost caught up to the Wii U. The Wii U's been out for how long? Six years. Yeah, and there's a there's a (laughs) there's a few more stats just in my head because this article doesn't actually say it, Mm -hmm. but. Uh, three games have sold over fifty percent of the install base, which is Breath of the Wild, Mario Odyssey, and Mario Kart Eight. Yep. And Splatoon has sold to one fourth of the Switch user base. So Nintendo's games obviously selling really well on Nintendo hardware, yeah. which isn't surprising at all. No. Because <laughs> like this, the other half of the Switch owners, it's like, what? Why don't you have Mario or Zelda? You waiting for Christmas? What's going on here? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Did we, you buy a Switch to play Shovel Knight or something? Or? Yeah, just you know, which is fine because it's a fantastic indie machine. Uh, as yeah, well, but yeah, yeah. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with it. No, I'm just wondering because like, if you got a Nintendo system, so well, no, I'm not going to get Mario or. I guess, okay, I didn't think so. <laughs> <laughs> got, got Siri. Hi Siri. Thanks for but listening. That, that's basically the year in a nutshell. Nintendo has been oh yeah done a fantastic job, and in some ways, it's been a really fun fun year to start this podcast. Oh yeah, because sure. we wanted to start it last year, mm-hmm. sometime maybe late last year. Yeah, and uh, it because yeah we wanted to start it before the NX got named the Switch, and it just never happened because yeah because of whatever yeah. whatever reasons. Um, you get busy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but. I wonder what we, it would be fascinating going back to 
our conversations back when it was NX saying like, oh, come on, just hurry up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we need we need this the NX to come out. Yeah, that's it, yeah. Yeah. But overall, it's, yeah, it's just been a damn fantastic year and I hope that it just means like sound and proof that we're going to get a, you know, good lineup the next couple so of years. So they don't and... have Mario and Zelda next year, but I'm still pretty confident they're going to have a nice year. Oh, yeah. yeah. Hopefully we'll see something like ARMS, a new IP come out that's interesting and fun. A few, a few other games come out which are, rely on their IPs and see the um, third-party support get amped up even more. Yeah. Because yeah. it's been... Has it has it exceeded your expectations, the third-party support? Absolutely. Especially <laughs> on the indie side. Yeah, being a Wii U owner, anything is good. <laughs> <laughs> anything is good. But um, Well, to be fair, even being a PlayStation 4 fan, oh, yeah. like... And then coming to the Switch, there's heaps on the Switch. Yeah, if you yeah. Ju- if this the Switch, if you just own a Switch, that is you have plenty of games to play. Yeah, the way you you definitely wouldn't. You'd be scratching the barrel and you'd be eating some old grapes off the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good way to put it. <laughs> I don't know. I think I think that's I think that's this has been a pretty good uh, wrap up of this year though. Yeah, yeah, Steve. Oh. We've got Christmas coming up, so we'll probably have our little yeah. breaks from, uh, you know, during during the Jingle Bells onwards. Yeah. So, I just want to thank every single person this year that's listened to yeah. one episode or... Oh, God, I don't care if you've listened to half, or half yeah. an episode. If you've listened to half an episode or whatever it may be, thank you very much for listening. We love uh, talking crap into these microphones, speaking about Nintendo every week. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's something we both love to talk about, love to play. Yeah. And uh, yeah, thanks for joining us on this ride. Yeah, it's a crazy journey. I can't wait to uh, amp it up in 2018. We've got lots of plans and things that will be happening in the first Certain quarter, hopefully. Yeah, Dep- hopefully. Depending on when this house and <laughs> all that goes through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But this is our last episode of the tra- uh, traditional house of mario episodes next uh, for the year yeah 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 for the year not, not in general <laughs> not not forever <laughs> next week we're going to be doing a nintendo episode where we sort of just talk about whatever if you'd like to join us for that talk some stuff <laughs> feel free to join us if not well we'll see you in the new year we'll take the we'll take the <laughs> dishwasher probably dishwasher, okay yeah we're in the kitchen by the way that's how that's yeah. how uh homeless this boy is yeah I'm, I'm in between houses so we're, we're in his kitchen with <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah if you'd like to join us next week and have some fun talk about whatever and uh what was i saying we're going to take the week off um what week will we take it off bros uh not next week following week christmas week Christmas week, uh, because we're, not only we're going to be stuffed as hell in our in our jobs, it's probably going to be damn busy there. Yeah. But um, I'm going away for a couple of days during that week as well. Yeah. So yeah. I dare say you'll be doing fun Christmas things anyway. No time for podcast. Surely you'll be talking to your nan. You'll be yeah, uh, <laughs> listening to your grandpa's war That's stories. That's see you. <laughs> what grandpa? I don't have any anymore. I was just talking to the audience in general. Gotcha. gotcha. <laughs> And we'll be back with our Nintendo podcast on the uh, 2nd of uh, January. 
Yeah, around that time. Around that time. We're super busy, so we're going to... We'll, we'll figure it out. It'll be that week, probably. Yeah, it'll be yeah. that week. We'll aim for that Tuesday there. Yep. Yep. All right, Bryce. Uh, do, do, we, do we want to end with Nintendo Jukebox? Uh, the answer is yes. Yes, Drew. Oh, oh. Let's end with Nintendo Jukebox. Jukebox. The Jukebox? Jukebox. Bryce, what song would you like on the Nintendo Jukebox this week? What song do I want? Nah, well, it doesn't matter what you want because we've got Crail. What uh, an asshole. <laughs> Not Crail, <Whoa>. Drew. <laughs> If you listen to this man, he gives me the option and he immediately takes it from me. I'm sorry, Crail, I love you. <laughs> I'm going to just like take that bit out. It's like, Crail, you're like, what an arsehole, and I'll send it to me. <laughs> Among the Trees, it's uh, it's not an actual Nintendo song, but it's inspired by uh, Breath of the Wild. I was about to say Link Between Worlds for some reason. It can be that too, why not? Burr. It's sort of an ambient sort of track, which... Uh, Obviously, Breath of the Wild has a lot of ambient songs. Yes. So, we'll we'll leave you then, and hopefully, we'll see you next week. Until then, catch you later. Yeah, we'll uh, crack open some beers and talk about non-Nintendo things. I don't know what to talk about. Nah, we'll just just speak for people who love it. (laughs) 